From the American College of Financial Services, it's time for NextGen in 10. I'm Ross Riskin, chair of the NextGen Advisory Task Force, and for the next 10 minutes, you'll be joined by our hosts and guests discussing topics relevant to up-and-coming financial advisors. Hey, all It's Alana Phillips with NextGen in 10, and we're here today with Dr. Matt Gorin. He's an assistant professor of financial planning at the American College of Financial Services. Thanks for being here with us today, Matt. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. Well, I am excited. You are the first financial professor that we have had on the podcast. So I know you've done a little bit of everything in the industry, but I kind of want to start there, Matt, this professor world. Talk to us about that journey and and how did you get to this point in financial services? I have a very non-traditional career path where I started out as a research psychologist. I did that for about 10 years. And I don't use almost any of that skill set in my current job now. It was doing research, running studies with people, writing papers, that sort of thing. And at the time I was going through that until today, the job market really dried up. It kind of vanished. The salaries in that field are very poor, given how much you have to stay in school. And there's other issues with that particular industry that I was getting burned out on. And I was a graduate student at the time and somebody suggested to me, given how well you're managing your own money as a grad student, why don't you look out and see what other opportunities are that help people do what you're doing? And I said, why not? Gave a a talk that went pretty well just on how I'm managing my own money. And then one thing led to another. I just kept saying yes to everything. That's how I have that all over the place career that you were mentioning. Worked for a fintech company. I was a financial advisor in an RIA. I was doing pro bono advice. I've helped run some nonprofits. And along the way, the American College learned who I was. I came in and was doing some part-time work on curriculum development, started teaching some classes. For those folks who are students here, you might've heard me in our capstone course or investments course. And I just kept asking for more work. And finally, the college said, yes, we want you here full time. So for the last couple of years, I've now been a professor here and it's been wonderful. I know they love to hear that feedback, Matt. So that's good. Thank you for the plug on the college there. So Matt, was this the dream then to grow up and be a assistant professor of financial planning? Or it it really is something that just kind of grew out of those other experiences that you had? It was this or race car driver or Mm. astronaut. Uh, No, uh, this is never in my field of vision ever. I didn't even know that this was a job when I was a kid. I wanted to be a paleontologist, really. That was actually the the real thing I wanted. Jurassic Park came out when I was like seven, and that was a very formulative experience for me. And once I got into graduate school, I really did want to be a professor of psychology. So that, you know, being a professor was not that far off from what I've wanted to do for a while. But I really didn't know financial advising was a thing. I think most Americans don't know that financial advising is a career path at all, let alone that there's this even smaller niche industry out there of educating those financial advisors. So to be honest, I didn't even know the American college existed until about maybe four years ago or five years ago. And now, of course, it's you know influential institutions, been around for a, a century. But no, I, I wouldn't say I had this <laughs> as a career path. 
at all. That's fair. I don't know what that outfit would look like dressing up as a financial planning professor in kindergarten for what do you want to be when you grow up day. So paleontologist makes it. I mean, honestly, Matt, you're sort of like a paleontologist for the financial planning world, right? There's so much of that in financial planning, kind of digging and uncovering, especially the psychological aspects of what you're doing to help clients. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, we on the professor side often are doing the research, digging into these different strategies that we can use either on the, say, like Wade Faust side is really unpacking these very technical strategies or what, say, Michael Finca does more on the behavioral finance. So what actually works with real people. So absolutely, we're doing the research. On my end of it, uh, I haven't done too much research myself. I'm more of a teacher. And a lot of what I do is how do we teach better? We have these classes already. Those people who've been with the American College as students for a few years, you might've noticed these big changes we've made from an old self-study based, here's the textbook, you know, go for it, good luck. We really have shifted into a much more hands-on approach, a more multimodal approach with videos and activities and group discussions and all these other things. And that's where I come in. What works to help make this process fun, enjoyable, engaging, and when education is those things, it sticks with us better, we learn better, and we do better in the courses and pass the classes, and then of course get the certification and move on. That's a great point, Matt, and we'll be back right after this little break. Give your clients the retirement security they need with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. Learn how a goal-based approach redefines 21st century investment with our Wealth Management Certified Professional designation. Bring your value to a new level at theamericancollege.edu slash WMCP. And we're back. Matt, we'll pick up right where we left off. So Matt, what does one have to do to become a professor? There's got to be some steps here you had to take along the way. Yes. So there are two main paths to go by. I went one path and, you know, results not typical. And then there's another path to go. So let's first do my kind of weirdo path. So I have a PhD. I have my PhD in psychology. And then I got my CFP and started teaching as many personal financial classes as I could. I taught some at Berkeley while I was still hanging out in California. Then at the University of Georgia, I worked for two years teaching an intro class. And then with American, again, give me any class that you will give me and I will teach it. And because I have that teaching experience and the PhD, they were able to slot me in in that traditional academic role, the more traditional teaching or research professor. That's not the only way in because that way, by the way, I was in grad school for seven and a half years. So college plus grad school, 11 and a half years of my life, wouldn't recommend, to be honest, but it's a real journey. It takes a very long time. There's a whole other path, which is very common for our faculty, which is to be a practitioner, to be a financial advisor, to get that industry experience rather than just book experience, and then teach a class in something that you're very familiar with, that you are an expert in. And we have some amazing professors here at the college who don't have their PhD, who don't get to put doctor in front of their name, but who have what I think is much more valuable, which is 30 or 40 years of real world experience. Now, there are limits on, is that person going to be 
editing content? And is that person going to be publishing articles? Well, maybe not, but who needs to do that? Who wants to do that, right? If you want to be a teacher, if you want to get in front of students and pass on your experience, there are jobs for that. There are full-time jobs where you are the teacher. And then there's also full-time jobs where you're writing the papers and doing the more behind the scenes work. That's awesome. Matt, that's super helpful. I think for our listeners, just thinking about, you know, where do they go in terms of next steps in their careers? Maybe, you know, folks that are practitioners that want to give back, that want to amplify their influence even. So I guess, Matt, how is the way that you teach different given your sort of unique path to get there in those seven and a half years in grad school? How does that influence the way that you teach differently? I think the maybe stereotype that somebody has for someone like me, and I think a lot of people who did my path maybe teach this way, which is that very you know dry and boring theoretical or imparting all of this knowledge, this deep knowledge into you. I actually don't like doing that. I'm not a fan of that. I think besides my own experience in grad school where you know I had to be in a bunch of classes myself and knew what I liked and knew it was enjoyable. The other thing that informs what I do is I used to do sketch comedy. I used to have my own radio show, kind of been an entertainer for a while. So it's natural to me to want to be entertaining, to want to make people laugh and have a good time and pay attention. So, so much of what I'm doing is around that engagement piece. It's more like I'm up on stage and I want you to have a good time. Now, how other people teach, they do their own thing, right? I think it's teach to your strengths. The style that you have should be what you are good at, what you are comfortable doing. If you're not comfortable being a clown up in front of 200 people, that's fine. That's fair. I can, you don't need to. And especially for those folks who are advisors right now, who are thinking, what would it be like to teach a class? Be yourself, do that one How do you entertain your friends when you talk about this stuff? How do you educate your clients? Do that. Just keep doing that. The material's there. The knowledge is already there. Give it a try. And as you mentioned, I think this is a great opportunity to teach for uh, those practitioners. Do that one class. Give it a go. Having a little side hustle, so to speak, where you can be engaged with the community and pass on your knowledge can be really powerful and really impactful for our whole industry. I love it. Well, Matt, in our limited engagements with each other, I think dry and boring is the last thing I would use to describe you and good to know about the sketch comedy. I think that makes sense. And listening to your podcast, Nothing Funny About Money, I I mean, it is very funny, right? And I think when we take money and we take these topics that are or have been historically kind of more dry and boring and jazz them up, it, it keeps listeners engaged and it educates them in a way that they actually remember things and might apply them. Exactly. And myself probably having an undiagnosed ADHD. It's very important to be able to maintain someone's attention, including my own. I don't want to be bored when I'm teaching. I don't want to be bored when we're talking about these things. I get it. Matt, to wrap up this discussion about being a financial professor, can you share with the audience, what are some of those greatest challenges that you face? Maybe trying to keep people engaged or helping them to connect to job opportunities. What do those challenges look like? I think for a lot of faculty trying to keep folks engaged can be difficult. I don't think that my results are typical. I don't expect people to have like a decade of sketch comedy experience walking into a class. That can be hard. And again, thinking what resonates with you and then try to put that into your courses. 
Certainly with a lot of teaching, we worry about what's the practical implications of this. Does this actually matter? At least it's something I care about quite a bit. I think we're very fortunate in our college. I think we're fortunate in our sector of the education economy that our work is really directly impactful for people. This is not deep theoretical concepts. This is how do we work with our clients better? So I think we're very fortunate here at the college and in other institutions, we're trying to address real world problems. The biggest hurdle I think a lot of our students face is how do we make time to both have our full-time jobs and take these classes? I was fortunate in a way where I was kind of shifting careers. I was doing part-time consulting work on the side while I was getting my own CFP education. For folks who have that full-time job already and want to take their career to the next level, you really do have to dedicate time in order to take these classes. And then from my point of view as the instructor, that means trying to be as flexible as possible. If students have something come up in their lives, they need more time, no problem. We'll work around that. How do we take a lot of our content and move it into pre-recorded videos or pre-fabricated activities so that they can educate themselves when they have 20 minutes and they can pop in? And those are the sorts of things I spend a lot of time thinking about. How do we make this content the best for the most people rather than sit down, shut up, listen to me for two and a half hours? Did you learn something? Go take the exam. That's not as fun to me as really improving the content for everybody. I agree. So I love Matt that, you know, question you had asked about how do we teach better and you have such an impact by the way that you teach and this influence that you have on our next generation of advisors. So thank you for doing what you do and and for taking the time to chat with us today, Matt. Thank you for having me. For more episodes, visit our website at theamericancollege.edu/podcasts. This has been Next Gen in 10, brought to you by the American College of Financial Services.